They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menswar. That's a long intro. <laughs> the longest ever. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the longest. That was a... Uh, there was no payoff. No. They were waiting for the drop. Two minutes, they can never get back. <laughs> That's just how it works. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on Thoughts That Rock. It is the podcast that is about exchanging two pieces of life-changing advice. It is. We try and do that in about 30 minutes. Today, it's probably like 32 minutes. That's that you true. just can't get back. That's true. Who's our sponsor today, Brant? Do you know? Our sponsor today? Who is it? Hamburger Helper. It's Hamburger Helper. Yeah. Now, listen, folks. I don't know if you're in the mood for some ooey, gooey brownie recipes, or perhaps their slow cooker barbecue beef brisket. Mm -hmm. I'm not quite sure if you're looking for those classic type of desserts, or maybe you just want to throw a taco in a bag. It doesn't matter. Hamburger Helper has you covered. Did you say desserts? He only has three fingers, but that's enough. (laughs) (laughs) That's enough to tickle your fancy with their ooey gooey brownie recipes. Interesting. I, I Listen, I don't know about you, but one pot of ground beef dinners and That'll get you back in your groove. You know yeah, what I'm well, saying? you know what I'm saying. Some cheddar meatball and pasta skillets. So far, they've got thunder. You know, and hamburger I, I, helper. Listen, I don't know about you, but just grabbing a little bit of the cheese, bold cheesy pizza and helper mac is what gets me through a hard day, Jim. It also uh, keeps me in the bathroom probably longer <laughs> probably than does. it should. But we're incredibly grateful to Hamburger Helper and their sponsorship of today's episode. Next week. BM Bidet. That's how that's going to work. <laughs> it could be. Obviously, this podcast is an awesome way to get some free leadership advice. And listen, if you want a little bit more, you're looking for something more than just a little bit of an audio, you're looking for a complete immersion. More. We've got something for you. It's called Certified Rockstar. It is. This is our edutaining, we yep. like to say, culture leadership yep. training program. Yep. 
We've got uh, a half day version. Half day. We've got a full day. Full day. You probably get about four topics out of that. Mm-hmm. You've got a multi day mastermind, multi-day. which is the creme de la creme, we like it's to say. De but also, right now, we've got this awesome, fantastic virtual version that right. we can bring it to you straight through your computer. That's you got to right. go and check it out. It's yep. certifiedrockstar.com. Listen, if you like the show, I do. Just give us a rating, please. I have. Please. You're talking about people other than me? I'm talking about other people because the two of us can't be the only people who just create fake new emails and give ourselves fives. They're starting to catch on. They are. You know, Johnny Two Fingers at Amazon.net is not working any longer. No, he's not. (laughs) People see right through that. Just go do it. Leave a five-star rating and a review. can be one or two words. Just your typical amazing is fine. We get life changing. That's right. Listen, every time you do it, we get a chance to invest more into Cannonball Kids Cancer, where we help them in their fight for finding treatment options for kids who are battling pediatric cancer, looking for options. Help a brother out. Go to cannonballkidscancer.com. Work. Yeah, and listen, we know how busy you are. Super You've got busy. a lot of stuff happening in your life and trying to step I, away and I, just. I, I got a ton of hamburger helper here in front of me, Jim. I'm talking about people other than you. Oh, I'm sorry. Like the audience, the proverbial you, meaning everybody except you. I'm looking at you. Okay. I know <laughs> you sorry. get it. I get it. And I know you're doing two things at once. I am slow cooker chicken and some soup. You're doing both. And you're doing three things and you're listening to the show. I am. And like everybody else, they're probably doing the same thing. They could be slow cooking. It doesn't really matter to us. Nope. You could be, I don't know, pricing out your Cabbage Patch dolls on eBay. Maybe you're trying to start a fire with some moss and two sticks. Maybe you're in the process of shipping some low-carb snacks to Jim and Brandt. These things suck. Doesn't really matter to us. We want to be the half hour you've been looking forward to all week. Let's do it. Our guest today is Sarah Westbrook, who is a professional speaker like Brant and I, and she's an author. She's a youth advice columnist. She's also the creator of her brand 3E Emotional Development, which I hope we can talk about. First off, Sarah, welcome to Thoughts That Rock. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. We, um, To be transparent, we uh, met Sarah at a speaker event in Toronto and uh, probably a, mm-hmm. a little bit over a year ago or a little bit less than that and just really connected with her positive energy and just knew she had to be on the show. And those of you that listen know that we will have her entire bio in the show notes. But I did want to point out a couple cool highlights. First off, before being a speaker, yep. Sarah was an award-winning singer and songwriter writer. I hope that we uh, we talk a little bit about that. Um, she also spent the last 15 years researching emotions and the impact that they have on choices and well-being. And I guess that's especially important today. I guess being able to rebound from all these crazy challenging circumstances that people are going through and how critical the emotions are and how they trigger personally and professionally. So I'm sure we will wade into those waters. She started 3E Emotional Development, which includes presentations and workshops and concerts actually so she's still singing and doing some consulting and really talks a lot in the education space about confidence and resiliency and you know she also wrote the you power journal and has been doing her uh you power concert series so we're just so thrilled sarah that you took a few moments to spend a little bit of time and drop these awesome uh, leadership nuggets of wisdom for people that are listening so we're gonna Leave the floor open to you. We do things different here. We're going to go right for the heart of the matter. What is your thought that rocks? 
Interesting. Yeah, tell us more about that. So when I look back growing up, I really had this level of perfection that I realized over time didn't exist. You know, I won't do that thing till it's perfect. I won't sing that song till it's perfect. I won't say that talk till it's perfect. And when I really got looking at, well, what's this idea about perfect? It was something that was a non-existent level. When I look at when we make mistakes and when I would make mistakes and I would see that as imperfection, mm-hmm. oh, that imperfection, oh, I, oh, now I'm not enough, and it would trigger all these thoughts of worthiness and not enough, and I should have done this, or what could I have done that? Instead of taking a breath and saying, but in imperfection we find uniqueness. In imperfection, in mistakes, we actually can find growth, awareness. And when we tell people to be unique, we say, you know, just be you. That's saying, do you do you? Mm -hmm. Well, if we're always striving to have this level of perfection that doesn't exist, you actually don't allow yourself to be you. Because you're bottled up, self-contained in, well, what's that next move going to be for me? Well, I don't know, and I don't want to do it, and I don't want to lean into the discomfort. And that's really what it was for me. It was uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It was uncomfortable to make a mistake. It triggered emotions to feel like it was imperfect. It would feel as though... I shouldn't even bothered. Yeah. And so then I started to really re- look at that in myself and then look at that into others over the years. And it came down to emotions. It came down to the real thing that was really uncomfortable. Wasn't even the part that I made a mistake or that I felt imperfect. It was that thought of making a mistake, the thought of being imperfect, not being enough triggered an emotion of disappointment, maybe embarrassment, shame. Hmm. And that was the uncomfortable part. Hmm. Jim, what's it like to be imperfect? It's something I struggle with <laughs> every hour, every minute. <laughs> so completely broken. <laughs> I'm so broken. Uh, Sa- yeah. Sarah, we... So I just say bruised, not broken. Y- yes. <laughs> but we'll go with broken. <laughs> We, um, so, so my, my first band, uh, you know, we, our first major label release was an album called beautiful imperfection. And it was Mm. literally surrounded around this concept of, uh, we, we used to play this festival in England called Greenbelt. And there was a gentleman there by the name of Pip Wilson who worked for the YMCA for decades and decades. And, we sat around the fire one night, uh, sipping bourbons and trying to sort of just pick his brain. He's been around for so long. And, you know, one of the things he pointed out, especially in American culture, is this obsession with perfection. And he told us this story of he's like, you could have this painting hanging on the wall by the most incredible artist. And if it was hanging just a little crooked, just a little askew, um, 
the compulsion to go over and straighten it out overtakes your ability to actually witness the beauty in the painting. And so, you know, mm. we, we wrote this album sort of centered around that concept, which was for us, there's a, there's a song, the, the title track called Beautiful Imperfection, which says, uh, an old oil, an old oil canvas hangs crooked on the wall, blindingly obvious from where I stand temptation to straighten the view from the hall, missing the beauty of the artist's hand. Um, and that mm. is literally sort of this, this compulsion that you're talking about of us to think that it has to be perfect. I remember, um, years ago when I was pastoring a church and, and we were talking about this particular subject of, of imperfection and what that looks like, uh, before church started, we used to have, uh, a huge cross that hung, uh, sort of against the back wall. And, and I went over before we let people into the sanctuary and I, I just made the cross <laughs> a little askew. It's so wrong. And five <laughs> people, every time somebody fixed it, I went back and I made it crooked again. And five different people came and tried to fix it before the service started. And it just goes to prove that that that's what we focus on, right? We focus on the fact that it's imperfect, not what we're actually trying to look at or think about or do those sorts of things. So what's your advice to someone mm. who's obsessed with this idea of perfection and can't actually see the beauty in the imperfection? I love that story because it brings and highlights perception. And I think perception is key when you're looking at something and thoughts trigger emotions. So if you look at something and you identify it as imperfect and you create a story around that, that it shouldn't be that way, well, then that can also trigger like an anxious feeling, like I got to fix it because it shouldn't be that way. So if you look at perception and then you switch your focus to, like you said, it's a beautiful painting. Now that's what I'm focused on. Yep. Now I'm triggered into feeling different emotions. Maybe the beauty of the emotion is making, or of the painting rather, is triggering an emotion of excitement mm-hmm. or inner calm and still. So I think looking at how are you perceiving something. And then when you perceive something, you change the story around it. And this goes for anything. This goes to even when you someone says a comment to you and you you take it and you interpret it a different way, you perceive it a different way, if you take it as they, they're, be, they're coming at you, they're attacking you, well, now you're triggered into, I say, an emotion of frustration, annoyance, sadness. If you hear a comment, you say, oh, that's not about me. They must be having a really tough day. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with me. That's, they're obviously feeling angry or grumpy. Now I have not only empathy, but I have a more stillness, more compassion. And that can, is a totally different experience, but the circumstance is exactly the same. The person still said something to me. So I think perception is key in really being aware of how are you perceiving something. And what is a story you're creating? Because our brain loves to create stories. Yeah. It loves to attach meanings to things. If something happened, we want to attach a meaning to why it happened. And if you can be really mindful of how you're perceiving or what meaning you're attaching to something, 
and you could even just practice, like almost practice being an observer in your own brain. You could practice just being like, okay, how can I attach a different meaning to that? And then just see for yourself, does it trigger a different emotion? Yeah. And it still goes back to that picture that you said, which is a dynamite example, is if you changed how you looked at it, the thing you're looking at changes. Mm -hmm. And not because the circumstance changed, but the picture's still crooked. Yeah. But you ultimately changed how you saw that. You either look at that, it's crooked, or you look at it as, wow, that's a beautiful painting. Oh, I kind of like that it's slanted to the one side. (laughs) Who says that? Isn't that a cool way to Who says that? Psychopaths. Right, and you you can do that even with what you are labeling as imperfection in in your body, in yourself, in your work, in your projects. What if you said, it's not that it's imperfect, it's that it's what's unique about me. Mm. I'm perfectly imperfect, and that's what's perfect about me. Changes your perception instead of saying... I'm imperfect, and that's wrong. I, I, I love that. not only that sentiment and the thought itself, and, and even Brant with you having the, the, the song Beautiful Imperfection. I think when I first heard mm-hmm. this, I was thinking of uh, you know maybe some outward beauty or, or the way you feel about yourself. Since, Sarah, you were talking about you know mm-hmm. your, th- this perception that you might have of yourself. I thought about the uh, Christina Aguilera song, Beautiful, right? Yep. And, and really the main... Mm-hmm lyric in there is I'm beautiful no matter what they say I'm beautiful in every single way and basically you're saying listen I I am the way that I am flaws and all I'm not ashamed I accept that you know I'm I'm imperfect and I don't know if you think about this brand I think you and I might be a little bit different in in this way one I can't stand doing stuff half-ass I just can't I know you're a perfectionist in a lot of ways too I thought you were going to say I know you love doing no I know you're completely opposite no for me though this is the difference like neither one of us can stand that but here's the the difference I probably try and get stuff all the way a hundred percent perfect before revealing it which it goes back to what Sarah's saying right but you, yep. you, I think you take chances. You roll something out. If it's not, you know, even if it was at 50% and it doesn't work, you're able to move on and go to something else. And so, you know, I'm not saying that you would still do stuff half-ass. I just think you're way more riskier at stuff being imperfect and being okay with it where I'm like, uh-uh, that stuff's not going to see the light of day unless it's completely perfect. And, you know, again, may, maybe... You know, Sarah, I would love to, you know, Brain can respond, but I'd love to get your thought as to where this thought came for you. I mean, what, what, was there an ultimate mistake since you use that language that helped you create your, your character that ultimately said, I'm okay with being imperfect? I remember being in the recording studio and I was doing an album. So I was a, about 19 years old, and I'm doing this album, and you know in the studio, you can keep recording something, so what do I do? Oh, I keep recording it. And you're, sometimes you're hashing out something that doesn't even need to be re-recorded, but in your mind, you see it as just slightly off, and since you can re-record it, and you know that you can, you choose to keep re-recording it. Mm-hmm. That was me until my producer one time looked at me and is like, this album's never coming out. I'm like, what? It's like, <laughs> this album, it, it's not going to come out and you're losing your emotion. You're just trying to do it perfect. 
And that's actually not what it's about. It's about having a flow. Yeah. It's about sometimes you you say this is this is me. Like it was like Jennifer Lopez's album that was called This Is Me Then. And I loved the name of the album because I felt like every album I did or project I did, this is me then. Yeah. At that moment, and no one's actually comparing you to your future self and your future projects. Picture us when I first, we first started speaking. I know for me, I didn't have all the banners and the flyers and the emails. And I remember when I would look at people who had that, and they'd been in speaking 10 years, and I just started. Hmm. It was so overwhelming. You almost wanted to be like, okay, I'm not even going to bother because I don't think I could do this perfect surgery. And I don't even know where to start with that. So I think I got to the realization of you, in order to just go for something, again, I had to look at the emotion that was holding me back, that fear that was holding me back, and take a deep breath and say, Sarah, you can feel anxious, you can feel nervous, but you've got to be brave anyway. Yeah. And in order to do that, it's a, it's a continual process. I still have moments, but if I'm mindful of it, if I can say, yes, I'm going to make mistakes, and yes, it's going to feel uncomfortable, but I'm okay to lean into discomfort Yeah. because I'm going to practice it. And yeah, my heart's going to race sometimes. My shoulder's going to get tense. and I'm going to feel like I'm short of breath, but I'm going to keep deep breathing and focus on my end result, which is to continually be determined to respect myself, others, and my dreams. So and embrace the imperfections and see them as gifts and learning and uniqueness. That became my driving force. I would write it everywhere and just stick it on my mirror. I choose to respect myself, others, and my dreams and keep repeating it. And that was something that helped me make choices. So, okay, I've got a, a this is going to sound bad, but I have a serious question. Where do you draw the line between imperfect and this ain't your gift? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Right? Yep. Because here's the problem with encouraging someone who is so imperfect at what they're trying to do (laughs) that maybe they should be looking for that thing that (laughs) is, is their thing right so and we see it all the time in the the music business right it's uh you know in the in the church world it's bless their heart right that's that's it so that's that that's the whole thing oh bless (laughs) their heart or singing for the lord and i'm like the lord does not want to hear that um but that (laughs) that is let's refocus your energy into something different so how do you uh, where do you draw the line or do you have to rely on maybe some truths coming out from people to that tell you look maybe this isn't your thing oh yes i'm i'm big into being putting my ego on the shelf and accepting constructive feedback yeah uh well and we all know also being in the music industry I would be co-writing with people and you're co-writing and you've got this song, you've got this lyric and you're like, it is the best lyric. I have nailed it. And then they come in and they're like, uh, I don't like that. Yes. And you're like, this is going to be a number one hit because of this particular lyric. Are you joking me right now? That happens on Songland like, no, all the time. Is- <laughs> yeah, it's true. What's that? Do you know the show, uh, is it NBC? It is. That yeah. has a uh, Songland where these writers are pitching their songs. Oh, yes. 
yeah, same thing. They're they're so sometimes Holding focused on yeah. to the lyric that they wrote, and it's about their dog and their truck gold, and whatever. Jerry, it's gold. Oh, yeah. It's the first thing the producer throws out. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this line's awful. Right, and 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 that became that was a real thing. So I needed to make a decision at that point. Am I going to be close-minded and just be like, no, it's my way or the highway. This is this is it. Or am I going to again goes back to perception. Am I going to perceive what they're saying as an attack on me and my lyric? Or am I seeing it as them trying to be helpful and make it the best it can be? Yeah. And when I change my perspective, again, I think perspective and focus is key to allowing people to have input and that they were trying to be helpful. And then there's those people that aren't trying to be helpful and you have that gut instinct and, yeah. you know, you healthy boundaries. I mean, that's a totally different podcast altogether but that is really the key i think is like you were saying brand is being open yeah because maybe the detours in life are the best part of the tour mm -hmm. but if you're not actually open you're actually going to see it as no i'm perfect just the way i am and you, you can't say anything no, no 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 that's not what it's about right. yeah it's just about saying sometimes we'll misstep, sometimes we will make mistakes, and that's part of the journey. But be open that other people can help guide you, and they're not trying to hinder you. But could you see it as maybe there's something valid to what they're saying? No doubt. And every time I open myself up to that, and like take a deep breath and let go of my ego that's telling me, no, Sarah, that is the the best lyric ever. You know, and that's just an example, but just in any any facet, even in relationship, is saying, does that person have something valid to share? Maybe it could be helpful. Yeah. And I do think that that's a, a key point. So I like that you brought that up, Bram. Yeah, and you know we're gonna we're all gonna make mistakes, as you mentioned. I mean, I've, I've mm -hmm. made some whoppers in my life with either relationships or business <laughs> ventures or or leadership mm -hmm. situations or co-host or whatever it is. <laughs> and I think um, you know the way. <laughs> Just kidding. This is going to lead perfectly into our thought. It's going to lead so perfectly. Yeah, Rumi, who's always great, is always a go-to. Yes, you know, which I think will match up well with Sarah's. What What did you grab this week uh, for our thought that rocks, Brian? Well, we we went to our favorite thirteenth-century Persian poet, mm -hmm. Rumi, for for our thought. And our thought this week is this: Thoughts that rock, number two. The wound is the place where the light enters you. And I think mm. this is such a perfect sort of transition because it's when you get that honest feedback that, you know, mm -hmm. t to me, Sarah, the difference is, you know, you, if someone's earned the right to speak truth into my life, um, mm -hmm. that that opinion carries far more weight than just somebody that I don't know mm -hmm. that's going to share whatever, right? And and it's a it's a fine line between what to accept and what to sort of put off. And and I look at this and say that vulnerability of willing to hear the truth is really where the light comes in. And that light is is this idea for me, anyways, that maybe that light shines 
on the path that you should be looking at and maybe not the path that you're on. And, and that is, uh, for me, part of this journey of realizing this imperfection that we all have. And, and it doesn't mean that we stop doing the things that we love or that speak to us or that provide us that sense of fulfillment that we're looking for. But at the same time, um, being willing to be vulnerable enough to hear the truth so that that light can shine in the direction that maybe we should be going and not necessarily on the path that we're on. Have, mm-hmm. have you had to alter your path um, over the years into something that is, you know, maybe more in line with what your purpose is? Absolutely. Growing up, I would have never said, oh, I'm going to be a professional speaker. No, growing up, I told my mom at three I was going to be a singer. By the time I was eight, I was taking singing lessons. By 11, I was working at a dinner theater, getting paid and missing school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. yeah. And, then, and then around the time at 11, uh, my parents got separated, got divorced. I had a lack of relationship with my dad that triggered a lot of emotions. And instead of saying, this is imperfect and it's not about me, I took it on as it was. And I really became this sponge of just challenging emotions. And Mm -hmm. even if they had nothing to do with me, even if it was with a friendship and there was a conflict going on between friends, I could easily absorb that or try to fix it and take it on in some way. So my mom could see that it was affecting my confidence. So she put me into different character education courses at 11. And then I started public speaking around the same time because my teacher thought I would be good at it. So here I was singing, public speaking, and becoming fascinated with why I thought the things I thought and working on my emotional well-being and character. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was 19 and I was at a mall singing, and a principal came up to me and said, Hey, can uh, you come uh, sing at my school and just let the students ask you questions about how you got to sing for NHL teams or MLB teams? And I was like, Oh, okay, yeah. Because I was always a singer. That was my number one goal is here I'm going to be Celine Dion, right? <laughs> and, of course. And, you know, I'm just speaking and doing character education courses on the side because my mom thinks it's going to be helpful, and now I'm starting to really love it. But I'm just focused on singing. So I get to the school, and I am nervous. It's a, a cra- an auditorium full, and I start off, I sing a song, they're asking questions. Their questions aren't turning into just about singing. They're turning into what's your home life like? Mm. What have you ever been disrespected? And a long story short, it was within that moment I realized there was more for me than the singing. It was going to involve sharing personal stories, struggles, triumphs, but skills and tools in how to build emotional resilience, confidence, and that was a turning point for me that I would never have planned, never have saw. I pushed it away for a bit because I found it terrifying, to be honest with you. And then I, another school would call, and I'd, okay, I'll just do this. I'll do this one more school. 
until all of a sudden I realized this was the detour that was supposed to be the tour. Yeah. You know, and we talk about, we, we talk about exactly that type of approach that maybe the long and winding road, you think you're going in one direction, but you have these moments mm-hmm. that occur to you, um, whether it was somebody like in this case, they were asking you to come do something different. And maybe this was a, you know, that was an epiphany. That was a moment where you say, maybe this is where I want to spend part of my energy, maybe not my entire focus. But, you know, I think part of what you know, you say brand also, I mean, I look at this quote from Rumi, the wound is the place where the light enters you. I've sort of, I looked at it from a scriptural standpoint. And I think if you, if you believe in the gospel that the light overcomes all the darkness, Mm -hmm. to me, it puts everything easily into perspective that you have to look at it as, you know, we're all going to go through some obstacles. We're going to have some pain and some suffering, um, you know, and, and when we when we encounter things like that, it's going to elicit emotions, which is some of the stuff that Sarah deals with. You know, those times, though, I, I believe it makes you stronger. I think, you know, y- you never get to your true capacity in, until we're tested. And, you know, maybe I don't know, Sarah, if you're comfortable. I mean, can you talk about your experience with Canadian Idol? Because certainly you went through something that a lot of people don't get a chance to do, but you also receive feedback that maybe put you on a different mm-hmm. path than where you were going. Absolutely. So it took a while for me to even build the courage to try out for Canadian Idol. Yeah. Because again, it was about stepping into nervous, anxious of what if I don't do it perfectly? Mm-hmm. Again, we go back to that bench level I've got in my mind that doesn't exist. So I built up the, the courage I'm nervous, I'm anxious, but I feel the fear and do it anyway. Make it for two rounds, through two rounds, Mm -hmm. rather. I get to the Canadian Idol judges, and I can remember being there with my family, and the judges come out and talk to everybody, all the contestants in the room. And I remember right away how negative they were and demeaning, and I was shocked, to be honest. I was like, whoa, I thought you were here to encourage. So now I'm... I'm surprised. Yeah, now you've got added and stress. So then, yeah, yeah, and uh, and and I maybe and maybe that was the tactic, right? Because it's also a TV show, so maybe that was part of how they wanted to set the stage. Yeah. And I remember walking into the room and I sang my song, and I remember one of the judges being like, "No, no, that's not." you're not any good. Mm. And I remember thinking, Oh my goodness. Not like I'd spent my whole, whole life singing. And now I'm being told I'm not good. And that I should give up and I should just do something else. And they're kind of like chuckling. And, and in that moment I had a, a choice what was I, how was I first of all going to react out mm-hmm. of sadness? Uh, the person after me reacted with um, throwing garbage cans and stuff. And I thought, that's not going to be me. So I, out of respect for myself and others, I left the room. And I remember I left the room and I came out to my family and they're like, how'd it go? And I'm like, let's just keep walking because there's video cameras following us. And I didn't in that moment want to be reactive because it's too easy out of emotions to become reactive. And 
I, we left, we drove home, we ended up, uh, you know, stopping, having lunch, you had a good lunch, had a nice day, and I went home, and I just let the emotions out. Yeah. I was upset, I was devastated, angry, embarrassed, and it was that moment where you can go into, I shouldn't even done it. See? See? I shouldn't have, I should never have gone. Because it just validates that it was imperfect, it wasn't good enough, and then... I'm a big journal writer, <laughs> so I took out my pen and paper, and I remember my mom saying, write out five things you're grateful for from the circumstance. And out of emotion and perception of it wasn't good enough, I'm like, five things? I can't even come up with one thing that was good about <laughs> that experience, right? And then she's like, nope, five things. And then I started to, over time, like we're fast forwarding, I took a deep breath and yeah, I wanted to out of emotion give up and never, never sing again. But then I realized I'd be making them right. And I wanted to take back my power. Yeah. Hence why one of my presentations is called You Power. I wanted to take back my You Power to say, okay, this circumstance, Mm. I wish I could make go away, but I can't and nor should I because we will all face challenges and challenges trigger big emotions. So I'm going to keep writing. That helps me move through my emotions. But now I'm going to decide who I want to become from this. I'm going to let what you were saying before, let the light in. Hmm. I'm going to let the light in to what could be good about this circumstance. How could I perceive it as gratitude? And I started to say, well, my family was there to support me. That's one thing. Number two, I'm still alive. You know, some of you think, well, if I, if I don't make it, it's the end of the world. I'll just want to crawl into a deep, dark cave. No, I'm, no, I'm still alive. Then I started to share my story, and I started to see that other people could connect with it. So that was a gift. I had a story that I could share, and that people could say, oh, my gosh, I've been through times I felt disappointed, too. Thank you for sharing it. Now I know I'm not the only one. And as the list went on, it actually went past five. I got to see that it wasn't so much what happens to you in life. It was who are you going to become from it? Challenges are chapters of your life, not your whole story. Mm -hmm. And those challenges bring up tough emotions. But if we can keep working through those emotions in a healthy way, we let the light in that you're talking about and your quote so eloquently says, and that became my focal point, is how can I share this circumstance that I felt disappointed and devastated by yeah. at that moment mm-hmm. and let the light in. And I think when we share with one another, we find connection and we find healing. You know, I have to say, Sarah, this is part of the Canadian folklore of why you all are so sweet and nice, because... <laughs> I would have been like, I'm going to write down five ways to tell these people to go after themselves. <laughs> and, and give me, well, that was out of my emotion, I would have. <laughs> You're allowed to put that in your you journal. That's that's my you journal is filled <laughs> with... No, totally. That's the other page. That's the other page. That's right, yes. What's, what's the Canadian equivalent for <laughs> suck it? Because that, to me, was exactly what I would have... I would have been like, for, who are the judges is what I want to know. Because I want to I be sending out <laughs> tweets right now. <laughs> about 
these people and who are yeah. they? You know, unless your name is Bono, you don't got the, you don't have the right to say that to me. Sorry, buddy. Well, it goes back to what you're saying before. There are some where you've got this close knit group of people right. that are allowed that you're That's allowed. Right. You've invited them in to give you feedback. Yes. Here you are getting unsolicited from people who don't know yeah. you. I'm like, you're a judge on Canadian Idol. All right. <laughs> you need to not be giving me your two cents. Your your Canadian two cents yeah. at that. <laughs> What's the Yeah, no, yeah. What does that well, equal with US? It also, it's like a big a big shot in that moment to your own perception yeah. of yourself, your own ego, your own. So it's like a, a a moment where I didn't even know what emotion I was feeling at that time. I just knew I wanted to leave the room. Yes. <laughs> where I was just like, I want to leave. I don't want to be here in this room with you. Exactly. You know, I was just thinking about this too, at the risk of sounding like an emotional sap in front of Brand. I, I remember my uh, my first girlfriend in high school, and you know, when it doesn't, <laughs> you see you in the background. <laughs> As with all first loves, when it doesn't work out, you know, at the very end when, when she breaks up with you and you're heartbroken and you're crying and you're, you know, lounging around in bed all the time and listening to sad songs, right? The second breakup, you know, a few years later, yeah, you're bummed out. You're a little sad. You're walking around with a mopey face. But by the time the third one comes along, it's like whatevs. You know, it's you know, you're, you're frustrated, but it's also uh, you're a little nonchalant. And and I know this sounds silly, but I guess again, these experiences that happen to you, you know, I think that you get stronger with each experience. It, it helped me at least figure out who I was and, and what I wanted in a partner. And, you know, without that pain, how do you wind up knowing joy? And I think Rumi Absolutely. again says it best, right? Yeah. And I think it's sort of a, it's a nice combo between both of, of your thoughts. And, uh, you know, I know that you're the expert on uh, really focusing on emotional development. Where, where Sarah, can uh, people stay in touch with you? Where can they get a little bit more information on the things you do? So I am Sarah Westbrook is my Instagram. So at I am Sarah Westbrook is a great place. I post a lot and do videos as well on there. Also my website. So it's three E emotional development.com and Twitter, Sarah Westbrook. Awesome. And I would just to springboard off of what you were just saying, Jim and Brant earlier. I do believe that, as human beings, we like to avoid discomfort, right? Like, you ever heard a mattress commercial about how comfortable the mattress is with the pillow top? And we're like, yes, I want comfortable. Mm-hmm. And emotions and challenging circumstances like breakups or being told you're not good enough at singing or not getting the job you wanted or the friendship that you wanted – that brings discomfort. Yeah. And instead of avoiding discomfort, which we try to, hence why we like everything to be comfortable, we actually have to tell our bodies to do the opposite and lean into it and say, this is really uncomfortable right now. And my emotional experience right now is also causing my body to feel physically tight and that that's okay. Instead yeah. of not making it okay, saying it's okay. It's okay to be imperfect. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to feel tough emotions, to feel uncomfortable. We are human beings. It's part of the process. And I think sometimes we disconnect from that we actually need to feel discomfort. Yeah. It's not to be avoided. It's to literally be moved with and through. Yeah. 
Well, and I think this is why your message resonates, you know, for so long in in academic educational space. I know you're starting to do more in the corporate world, but I think this is, you start talking about emotions and yeah, it's not something that people regularly talk about, but the fact that, you know, you've spent enough time and energy to really focus on that and have some great advice for people, I think is why you get a chance to to, to do this for a living. And uh, listen, we can't thank you enough for just taking a few moments to spend some time and, and share some thoughts. And I hope that uh, some of our audience goes and uh, checks out some of the stuff that you're doing. You're doing great work. And, you know, I, I wish we uh, had a, another event that uh, the three of us were supposed to be hanging out at. I know we've, uh, it looks like we've got a well, little bit of a cancellation. We will, we will. Yes. Who knows so, what part I play. <laughs> that's right. We'll have to be the, the new uh, lady, not a, lady a now, <laughs> no. since they're no longer lady antebellum. Yes. We'll have to. Yes. Lady See? So that would be our next <laughs> debut. Yeah, coming up with band names. That's right. On the spot. That's it. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. <laughs> Listen, we look forward to uh, watching your journey and, and keeping up with you. And uh, thanks again for uh, spending some time on Thoughts at Rock. It was my pleasure. You two are a lot of fun and very insightful, might I add. Oh, awesome. You might add. <laughs> you might add it, but she yes. didn't actually add it. <laughs> I she might, might add. She's thinking about it. Little hefty dose. <laughs> right. That. She's got it now. Basically, <laughs> that's what she's saying. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Rock on, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode. Yeah, and if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, whether as a webinar for a virtual event or in person as a conference keynote, contact us directly at thoughtsthatrock.com. Until next time, rock rock on. on!